Happy Father's Day. We celebrate dads, our biological dads, spiritual dads, and our Heavenly Father this morning. Uh, today we are continuing our series uh, through the Minor Prophets in the Old Testament, those little books that uh, God put there for a reason. We're not quite sure why. We're hoping to get, get some clarity on that as we go through them this morning. We're looking at the book of Obadiah. Uh, but before we get there, if you've got a Bible, turn to Obadiah. But before we get into it, why don't, we, uh, why don't we pray and just ask God to bless our time here this morning. Uh, gracious Lord, we thank you so much for um, a great VBS kickoff last night. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, the great dads that are in our lives. And we thank you most for your love, great Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, as we come now to this text in Obadiah and we think... Uh, about what it is you're saying to us today uh, in kind of a difficult situation. Um, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would minister to us, Lord, that you would teach us your truth and use this text in this time, Lord, to draw us closer to you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if we're going to be real transparent with each other, and we should, we're in church after all. I think if we were all to sit down and tell each other the truth, we would probably all admit to this one experience in our faith journey that sometimes it feels that God doesn't answer our prayers. I know that people phrase it differently. Some people say, well, you know, God for some reason isn't answering the way I want. Or people would say, you know, maybe God is withholding something from you or or, or however you would phrase it, I think we've all had this experience where we pray and we feel like we're not making a connection, that God for some reason isn't hearing our prayers, that our prayers maybe aren't making it past the ceiling, or maybe sort of the flip side, we go, well, God hears the prayer, but he's just not doing anything about it. Maybe God's not that interested in helping me. Maybe, you know, whatever reason we might come up with, there's something that happens in our lives where where, and I know this has happened to me, where you're praying about something and you just feel some sort of disconnect. It just doesn't feel like it's working, that, that God's hearing, that God's answering. This is, it's normal. It's sort of called faith. I mean, this is why we call it faith and not just knowledge. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a journey. It can be a bit of a struggle. Uh, King David was called in Scripture, a man after God's own heart. Listen to the way he talks about his prayer life here. Psalm 55, he says, open your ears, God. Have you ever told God to open his ears? God, listen to me. Listen. Open your ears, God, to my prayer. Don't pretend you don't hear me knocking. David's got this image that he's knocking on the door of heaven, and, and God the Father says to God the Son, shh, we're real quiet. Maybe he'll go away. Um, he gets sort of this sense that maybe God's ignoring him. And that's one of the reasons I love the message's translation of the Psalms is because Eugene Peterson gets the feel of the text. We've all had that. We've all been there. And if you're the one exception to that this morning, I just, I hate to break it to you, you're going to be at some point in time. It's just how that's going to happen. The prophet Obadiah is sent to the people of Jerusalem who have been praying really, really hard for God to deliver their city. And the, the prophet Obadiah comes and shows up on the scene after the city has been ravaged and raided and the, the destroyer has left. And now the prophet Obadiah is sent 
to this group of people who are perpetually asking each other this question, where was God? What was God doing? And Obadiah is going to prophesy, and he's going to tell them some truths about God, and we're going to hit a few of them. But, but the short answer is this, and I'm going to have to unpack it a little bit because it feels kind of pat, you know, a bit of a pat answer. But here's the thing is that God hears our prayers, and they do make a difference. They do. How that works, how that difference works out, how that difference is made, it's, it's different in each situation. That's hard to always sort of put your finger on, but Scripture's pretty clear that God hears our prayers. How about this? From Psalm 56, verse 8, David again says, You have kept count of my tossings. Notice, it's not singular. He's not saying, Lord, I tossed in my sleep once last night because I was troubled. No, I, I've been tossing and turning God over this. You have put my tears, notice again, plural, in your bottle. Are they not in your record? David is saying to God here in this text, he's saying, listen, God, I have been tossing and turning. I have been weeping. I have been crying. I have been struggling. I have been praying. This has gone on for a long time. And God, yet I know, despite the fact that I don't have an answer from you yet, despite the fact that I don't have clarity at this moment, I know that you are paying attention. David is confident that God is on our side and that he's working for our good. David is confident that God is able to take our problems and our pain, our tossings and our tears, our worries and our regrets, and he's able to transform all of that into something that is good. Now, I want to be clear here. For me, theologically speaking, I, I want it to be clear that God does not send evil our way. You know, Jesus says that, that the destroyer's job, he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Scripture teaches that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, according to the book of James. But Scripture is also clear that God is able to take all things and work them together for good. That God can take even evil and turn it around into something redeemable. But here's the thing, is that we can only see, at least in my own experience, maybe you've got a different spiritual gift than I do, is that we can only see God at work, generally speaking, when we look backwards. You know, when you're in the middle of the trial, when you're going through it, when you've got the hospital stay, or you're struggling in your marriage, or your, your, your finances are in the toilet, or your business is about to go down, you're asking this question all the time, God, where are you? And the answer is not clear. For me, it's often not until you get out of that situation and you turn around and you look back on it and you go, oh, that's where God was. You, you've got to turn back and see. It's hindsight's twenty twenty. And the interesting thing is sometimes things are so difficult and so troubling that we don't even get a clear picture until we cross that threshold and enter into eternity with God. But here, if you're here this morning and you're struggling, and I, I know in a room this size, there's, there's several of you struggling. And I know some of you are. I, I want to say this, is that if your health is failing, your marriage is struggling, your business is crumbling, your doubts are growing, I, I would say this. God is on your side, and he's working for your good even when you can't see it in the moment. Those storm clouds come, and it's not until those storm clouds go that you can see it. I mean, hear me out, friends. 
God doesn't send the evil, he doesn't send the pain, he doesn't send the problem, but I think that he sends his spirit to redeem something out of it. One of my favorite stories of God using a, a tragedy comes from a guy by the name of Bob Goff. Some of you have maybe read some of his books. I've heard him speak now twice. He's, he's pretty funny. He's, he and his wife built this lodge up in Canada right on the edge of this lake. It's remote. You can only get there by a plane. These are like hand-hewn logs. I mean, this is real extravagant thing. They've actually had world leaders come there. They've inked peace deals at this place. It's beautiful. They built it as a respite for folks that are caring for others. And so a lot of ministers and you know, ministry leaders get invited up there and they go. And so they've, they've been working on this for like a decade or maybe two. And they were putting the last coat of varnish on this place. And they had two oily rags that got together that shouldn't get together. And they were in the hot sun and, and oily rags sometimes spontaneously combust. And so they just went up into flames and it got igniting on all of the rest of the wood that had been treated. And so you can imagine how that goes. It goes real quick and it did, and it just was gone. And it just came down to the ground in a pile of ashes. And he, you know, he reflected on this after the this, this scenario and said that through that, his wife ended up going to counseling because she just felt so troubled by it. And through the time that she spent with a counselor, she started to express some things and talk about some things that she had not ever been able to tell anybody, some horrible things that happened to her in her childhood that she had just kept to herself for her whole life they finally came out, and she finally was able to, to get through that and to experience some healing. And he said, you know, honey, if it took this to bring that healing, he said, I would have lit the match myself. And here's the thing. You can only say that in hindsight. You know, they're not gathered around as this, their dream lodge is coming to the ground and ashes going Lord, thank you for your divine providence, which is, you know, leveling before our eyes everything we've worked for in our entire life. Thank you for bringing all of our dreams into a pile of ashes. God, in your providence, we praise you. This is not how that prayer goes, okay? It's just not. And yet we want to, in the midst of the fire, to be able to have that. And it just doesn't go that way. We only see that after it happens, Friends, God hears our prayers, and they make a difference. But sometimes that difference we've got to look back and wait for. Uh, consider this, Re Revelation 5.8 talks about our prayers. It says, when he, this is Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Here's the picture you get, is that in heaven, God is on the throne room, and he is surrounded by all of these angelic creatures, and there's also these giant bowls full of incense. And John tells us that that incense is the prayer of the saints. That's my prayer, and that's your prayer that we think has gone unanswered, and that's my prayer and your prayer for justice that seems to get ignored. God has taken those prayers, and he has collected those prayers, and he has stored those prayers close to him notice what happens eventually revelation 8 5 it says then the angel took the censer and filled it he fills it with the incense he fills it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder rumblings flashes of lightning and an earthquake this is in revelation when the world gets destroyed and when god hits the reset button here's what happens though that's motivated that's powered that's fueled by our prayers Every time that we've said, God, where are you? God, can you make this right? God, would you stop the suffering? God, would you stop the pain? God has collected all of those things. And at some point in time, he's going to answer all of those prayers. 
And that's why at the end of the book of Revelation, what happens is all of heaven looks at that reset button that God pushes and they say, praised are you, blessed are you. Because now they're coming into a world where there is no more crying and there's no mourning, mourning and there's no more death and there's no more sickness and there's no more pain. Because God finally answers those, those prayers. God hears our prayers and they make a difference eventually. But here in these verses in Revelation, we do see this very clearly, that God is more powerful than our problems. God is more powerful than our problems. One day the wicked will be judged. One day all the wrongs will be made right. Obadiah 3 and 4, the verses, there's only one chapter in the book. He's calling out people who thought they were beyond God's reach. And he says this, he says, Your proud heart has deceived you. You that live in the clefts of the rock whose dwelling is in the heights, you say in your heart, who will bring me down? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. You see, when God makes it right, he makes it right completely. We talked about this last week, but it's a major theme that runs through the minor prophets is that God is more powerful than whatever it is we're facing, and he's more powerful than the wickedness in our own hearts. But when God comes and he comes in judgment, he does it completely. He does it right. Notice the way that he describes his judgment, Obadiah does. It says, if thieves came to you, uh, if plunderers by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only what they wanted? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? The implication is this, is that you know, if you were to come home today after church and you saw that your TV was missing and maybe you noticed that there's a jewelry box that was gone and maybe a couple you know, electronic items had been removed and the door had been smashed, you would say this, you would say, we've been robbed. You would, you would come to that assumption. But if you went home today after church and you opened the door and there was literally nothing in there, not a stick of furniture, not a picture on the wall, not a paper left in a drawer, not a dish left in a cupboard, and the house was completely vacant, like, like movers had come and backed a truck up and literally pulled the whole thing out, you would say, what is this, a joke? Because people don't steal everything. But God says this, he says, when I come and I make it right, I'm going to make it all right, and I'm not going to leave anything left there. And that is a truth that we can hold on to, is that when God comes, he's not going to leave a little bit of wickedness or a little bit of pain or a little bit of any of those things. He is going to take it all with him because God is more powerful than our problems. Here's the thing. You may not know this morning how God is going to redeem your situation, but you could maybe try to start holding on to the truth that he can and that he will. At this moment, if you're going through the valley, you may not be able to trust God's actions. I mean that. You might not be able to say, I trust that God is working in my best interest because I can't see what he's doing. But perhaps you could say this, but I trust God's character and I know that he's on my side. You might not be able to see God in your future. As you're going through the valley right now, you might not be able to see where God is leading you, but you can look back and see where God has led you. And you can have confidence that God is taking you someplace where you want to go. And here's the thing. If you're here this morning and you say, my heart just can't get around that truth, I suppose that also is fine. I would say let your mind dwell on that truth, that God is more powerful than your problems. And just say that to yourself over and over. Understand that God is more powerful than your problems. Even when your heart doesn't feel that, try to get your mind to understand that truth. 
Let's just practice it here right now. God is more powerful than my problems. Let's go ahead and say that to each other. It won't hurt. God is more powerful than my problems. Say it like you mean it. Let's just pretend. Even if you don't mean it, just say it like you mean it. Okay, here we go. God is more powerful than my problems. Some of you just woke up and you're just getting warm. We're going to do this one more time. I promise it won't hurt you and you'll get to lunch in plenty of time. Here we go. All right. God is more powerful than my problems. That is the truth we've got to hold on to. If you hear this morning, you go, well, I know that because God, I mean, life's great right now. Perfect. Make that your mantra still, because here's the thing. It's one thing to affirm that God's more powerful than my problems when I don't have problems. But when I have problems, it's really hard to affirm the fact that God's more powerful than my problems. So we all do really well to always affirm that God is more powerful than my problems. Friends, the Lord is good, and he does good. And so while we're waiting, and we are waiting, let us also work for good. Listen, we are the body of Christ, And sometimes God answers prayers through us. Sometimes you are the answer to my prayers, and sometimes I'm the answer to your prayers. I don't know what you're praying for, but maybe God sent me. I don't know how that works, but it does. Ronald Rollheiser talks about it this way. He says, when we pray through Christ, he says, more is involved than merely asking God in heaven to make some kind of intervention. He says, the community too, that's us, we ourselves must be involved. Not just in the petition, in other words, not just praying, but also in trying to bring about what the petition pleads for. And so here's his example. He says, if my mother is sick and I pray that she gets better, but I don't drive her to the doctor, he says, I've prayed as a theist, not as a Christian. I've not given any incarnational flesh skin to my prayer, and it is more difficult for God to answer such a prayer. What the thing is this is we are invited right now to work with God. I think God is, is partnering with us. He wants to partner with us. That, that, that we would be bringing about the kind of world that we want to see in God. When we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're praying, God, would that kingdom come to me? But would I also be a kingdom worker helping to bring a kingdom that makes you happy now? It's not enough for us to just sit by and watch wickedness and evil take over listen to obadiah 11 and 12 the nation of edom did that they were sort of the first cousins to the israelites it says on the day that you stood aside this is edom on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for jerusalem you too were like one of them but you should not have gloated over your brother on the day of his misfortune you should not have rejoiced over the people of judah on the day of their ruin You should not have boasted on the day of distress. You see, God right here is calling the nation of Edom out, saying, listen, you were able to do something, but you just watched as evil happened. Friends, as Christians, we're called not to just be people that are sitting around praying, God, would you make things right? We are called to be people that are doing things to make things right. This is why we are involved in ministries like Hotel uh, Inc., Meals Inc. Some of you took meals out yesterday, man, and we appreciate that. This is why we give money to missions and benevolence. We want to share our resources and our time. You know, we like to help, and yes, we like to give charity. We're called a charitable organization. I get that, but it's not enough. How about this from Augustine? Augustine said this, charity is no substitute for justice withheld. That's true, isn't it? 
I mean, the illustration goes something like this. You know, if you live by a creek and you see a body float down the river, you better run out there and see if that poor body is still alive and try to help that body gain some life or stay alive. And if the next morning you look out and there's another body floating down the river, you're going to do the same thing. But if you, if you do this for about a week, it's probably time to take a walk up river and figure why it is that bodies keep falling in the river floating by your house. Because it would be a whole lot easier to put a sign up by the bridge that's out being like, hey, don't go this way. And as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're not just called to drag these poor souls out. We're, we're called to be people that are proactive and working to bring about th this kind of rightness, this kind of goodness that the minor prophets are talking about. I see this as being problematic today because we live in a society that is increasingly fearful. We are afraid of our neighbors. We're afraid of each other. We've got labels for groups of people we're afraid of whether it's Muslims or immigrants or Democrats or Republicans, we all view them as mortal enemies, as groups. And we, we invent all these great stereotypes about people, you know, like things like immigrants, all of them are illegal and that they're all out to get us and that they're all criminals or that all Muslims are terrorists. But here's the thing, when we start to group people like this, we fail to see the value of the individual. How about this one quote? I've never quoted from this person in a sermon before, Joseph Stalin. You ready? Here we go. Joseph Stalin said this. He said, the death of one person is a tragedy, but the death of a million is a statistic. Wow. Let that soak in as you think about the fact that he brought about the death of millions of people. The death of one is a tragedy. The death of a million is a statistic, and it's true. But as Christians, we're not called to see statistics. We're called to see people. And I've been convicted as I've read through Scripture that God sees these groups of people, immigrants, orphans, and others, as those individuals in need of help. Not a mass group of people, but collections of souls, of individuals. And friends, when we live in a place where we've got the incredible rat rhetoric ratcheted up, it's time for us to start saying, you know what? God, we want you to make things right. And we want to be people that are working for right, right now. We want to be people that are working, that are working for that kingdom that we're praying for. God, we pray for peace in the world, but let us be people that work for peace in the world. God, we pray for wholeness in our relationships and love to flourish in our families. Let us be people that work for love and for wholeness in our families. We pray for, for people that, you know, we pray for a community that, that's coming together, that's seeking your face. Let us also work for that. I think of it a little bit like this. It's a partnership. I really feel that the best way to look at our relationship with God is a partnership. God says, would you come alongside me and do this with me? Now, given God's a little more powerful than we are, I, I get that. Um, I, I think of it a little bit like when I work on projects with the kids. It's Father's Day. You think about your kids as a dad. And so I think about the things we've done in the last year. We, we do different things together. We've, we've built a tree house, which I think is going to stand the test of time, maybe make it to the National Register of Historic Places in a few years. We're looking for that. It's, it is truly marvelous if you've seen the tree house. We worked on that together. Uh, we work on the cars sometimes. And, you know, the kids always want to do this. Like, can I do it myself? Well, there's some things you can. Yes, you can use the hammer. No, you cannot use the jackhammer. You know, yes, you can use the screwdriver. I don't know about the power drill. As they get older, they get to use more things, cooler things. I've, I've took in the garage. I put screws when the kids were, the boys were a bit littler. 
put screws in the board and they could screw them into the board with the screw gun so they could kind of do their own thing. But, you know, I'm not going to let them use, you know, the table saw at that point in time. You know, a four-year-old might be okay with a screwdriver, but not the, the table saw. I mean, there's just, you got to you gotta weigh, you know, there's some things you can and there's some things you can't do. There's also things like, you know, maybe you can't, you know, pull this particular, uh, you know, this, this, you can't maybe use the wrench to take the tire off. Maybe you're not quite strong enough to, 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 to do that. But can you try? Can I try? Can I try to do it myself? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Give it a shot. See how that goes. And I always wait, you know, as they're straining, you know, their whole weight probably isn't enough torque pounds to, to, to free that nut there, but they're just straining on it. But I always want to let them try until they ask one thing. Dad, can you help me? Dad, can you help me? And as soon as they do, what do I want to do? I want to help them. I think in many ways, God has said, listen, let's do this together. Let's get engaged. Let's pray about these things. And when you say, can you help me? I want to come down. I want to get involved. But in the meantime, while we're waiting on that, let us keep trying. Let us keep working. Because God hears our prayers, and he's going to make it all right eventually. In the meantime, let us be people that are working for that rightness that God wants to bring about. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers. As a matter of fact, we're praying not, not for any other reason than the fact that you hear our prayers. And you've told us we can come to you whenever we want, that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And so, Lord, this morning, our prayer, my prayer, is that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. I pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done into this room, into the souls, in the lives of the people here, Lord, that you'd, that you'd bring healing to those that are sick, Lord, that you would bring comfort to those that are hurting in their hearts and their souls and their minds. God, we pray for our community and our nation. And God, pray that you would be working about here uh, the kind of kingdom in place where your, your truth, your gospel, your love can go forward from. And so, God, we ask those things. And, God, perhaps here this morning there's somebody here who your kingdom has not come to them as an individual. And they've yet to surrender their lives, perhaps, to you. God, if that's the case this morning, Lord, I ask that you would help them to, uh, to make that decision. And, God, for everyone who's here right now that is right now going through the valley and struggling with praying, God, if, if they can't grasp any other thing right now, let them grasp that truth that you are more powerful than our problems. Even if in their heart they can't grasp that, Lord, if, if in their mind they could understand that. And that if you would do that work in their hearts and their souls and their minds, that would bring that truth to, to become a reality in their lives. Lord, would you please do that? We ask all these things in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.